There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, friends. Pastor Mike with you again here on WCN-TV. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're going to really appreciate uh, my guest today. Producer has uh, her latest book, Valued, A Divine Awakening with the Holy Spirit. And this is book three in the Trinity Trilogy. And after reading Valued, I have to tell you, um, I'm going to have to get the other two books. And I would encourage you to do the same. And I think you'll feel that way, believe that same thing. Uh, at the end of this conversation today. Um, you know, we live in a world of uh, information, data. It's Our world is data-driven. Can we say that? I, I don't think that's an understatement. Information overload, in fact. Noise, hype, deception, all kinds of things vie for our attention but there's one thing that we can use that cuts through all of that clutter, and that's story. That's storytelling. And that's something that Anna Pranger is very good at. Now, before we jump into that conversation, uh, I want to remind those who have joined us today of the Go Therefore Conference 2023. Thank you, producer, for putting that up. We're 16 days out. And if you would click on the speaker bios there, producer, that would be wonderful. And here's a rundown of uh, this year's presenters, Derek and Sharon Gilbert, uh, Dr. Michael Lake, L.A. Marzuli, Pastor Casper McLeod, Coach Dave will be there, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, David Hevner, Tom Dunn, Dr. Gregory Reed, you will not want to miss this presentation. Kenny C., Randy Conway, Vicki Joy Anderson, and a good friend of mine here in Lima, uh, Nathan, Pastor Nathan Branham. So um, you can register at the conference website, gothereforeconference.com, gothereforeconference.com. Uh, click on the buy tickets now. You have several options to use. Um, if you prefer not to use PayPal, then there are two or three other options that you can use there. Hope to see you there. It's going to be a fantastic and powerful gathering uh, of the body of Christ. So thank you for that, uh, producer. So 
talking about uh, storytelling, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke either, believe me, because I don't do that. Um, but when I was reading Valued, it reminded me a lot of uh, John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress and with a, with a, with a little bit of C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia in there. As I was reading, I, I was visualizing, wow, I've, I've seen that scene before. And, and those of you who are, who are not familiar with uh, the name John Bunyan and the Pilgrim's Progress, um, here's a little anecdote that you might find very interesting. For the first couple of centuries after the Pilgrim's Progress, was published, and this happened back in the 1600s, friends, it was second only to the Bible in publication, distribution, and and reading. I would encourage you to examine Bunyan's life, and, and what you're going to find out is the Lord used him to reach hundreds of millions of people through his very unique ability to tell stories. And really it was, it was an allegory. And, and I, and I bring this up because Anna, that's exactly what you have done in this book valued. Um, it's a, it's a very uh, uh, gripping story. And, and I, I loved how you uh, integrated And this one, by the way, folks, um, the first one, the first story uh, in this trilogy is called, um, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you, producer, loved, loved, and uh, I bet you can guess who the character there that is highlighted. <laughs> Chosen is the second one in that trilogy. So so loved deals with, with the father, chosen with the son or the redeemer, and valued with the Holy Spirit. So, so, Anna, welcome, first of all, to WCN TV, and thank you so much for agreeing to join me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really honored to be here. Well, you're very welcome, and um, you do a lot of work, a lot of ministry work with, um, with young people, with women especially, um, and, and on your website, in fact, um, producer, let's do this even before we we get into this. I want to highlight some of the resources that are available to people that will go to stirredupministries.com. So, so first of all, there's e-courses. I want to point those out. There's e-courses there. Friends, if you know someone that is um, a new believer, well, there's a, there's a free e-course right here, new believers e-course. You see that? And the other one there deals with folks that are struggling emotionally that can help them. So there's, there's a couple of free resources under the resources tab. Yep. So there are, there are three ministries and I appreciate the disclaimer there, um, Anna, and that's, that's very wise. Um, but these three ministries, uh, Respiro, is that how that's pronounced, Anna? Yes. Okay. Respiro faith-based counseling, um, online, right where they live. Yep. And yep. then uh, Cerebral cerebral is um, help and assistance for those that 
are dealing with anxiety or, or depression, um, online prescriber visits, care counseling and prescriptions delivered to your door. That's, you know, telemed is becoming uh, bigger and bigger and bigger in, in America. And then finally, the third one there that I wanted to highlight is um, WILD. So that uh, assists women who find themselves in a, in a domestic violence situation. Um, and I imagine that uh, they would provide leads on resources and, and assistance for helping uh, women get out of those situations. So thank you for, for putting that out there. And I appreciate that um, very, very much. One of the things that I liked about your book, and, and we'll get into a discussion of that now, was I was expecting, so I got about this far, and I was expecting to continue, but I'm I'm thinking as I'm reading um, this chapter, chapter 11, the final battle, so well, what could come after the final battle? And well, how about this? A study guide. <laughs> that, yes. was nice, that was a nice addition. And what, what, what inspired you to add that? Was that feedback from people, from readers or, or, or what? So the idea behind the study guide was that because I was writing a book um, in my own way of explaining Jesus, God, and Holy Spirit, I really wanted to have scripture backing it. That way, I didn't want people to be confused. I didn't want them to not know where that content was coming from. Um, And I also wanted them to know that there's backing behind everything I was sharing. It wasn't just like a visual experience or something that I uh, went on this journey with, but it was something that came straight from scripture. And so I wanted people to dive in deeper because I didn't want them to just read the book. I wanted them to then experience what they were reading for themselves. Yes. Amen. And that was, again, I think that was a very, very smart move. Um, One of the things that I've said many times from, from the pulpit is be very, very careful about using an allegorical method of interpretation when it comes to the scriptures, but allegory is, is wonderful for making spiritual points. Uh, Jesus certainly used parables and, and, and at times allegory to make his, his point, but those points should also be very clear. And that's the value of this study guide. So folks, if you get this book and I would encourage you to do that, um, get the book valued what you're going to find is Anna has provided uh, very detailed, in fact, um, explanations and scriptures, as, as you said, throughout. You even break them down into different sessions per these chapters to make sure that you're covering everything in there. Um, and I think that was just a wonderful addition uh, to the book. So let's just walk through this. Can we do that? Yeah, we'll just walk to. through this uh, chapter by chapter. Um, and help people to grasp what's going on. So, so the first chapter is wind. You you introduce the the character of wind, and uh, now for me, I knew what to expect. So when I when I saw that, I thought, well, I know where she's going with this. But you did it in a in a very interesting way. So, tell us about this chapter on wind. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to start the chapter off with getting to know wind. And obviously wind is Holy Spirit. We get that from scripture. Um, Wind does appear in my um, other two books. The first book, it's just wind. And then in Chosen, I actually give wind a form and a personality. And so when I picked up in my third book, it was like, who is wind, right? And I think that this 
such a unique chapter because who's Holy Spirit? We know so much about God and we can grasp things about who he is and his personality. And Jesus, obviously, we get a visual and a person in the scriptures. But Holy Spirit, how do you give form to Holy Spirit? And it actually took me much longer to write this book than the first two because of that. And so as I just really sat and had to like, just put myself in that position, like you're going to encounter Holy Spirit for yourself. Close your eyes. What do you see? And for me, it was a motherly figure, but also a very strong, um, independent guide. And it was someone who could come alongside of you, but who knew you in and out but also who knew God and Jesus, right? And so she comes into this form of not only knowing you, but she's the one who walked with the creator and was there alongside Jesus throughout his entire time on earth. And so she's this key figure who knows everything from the beginning and the end, but also is delighted and excited to journey with with us. Yes, yes. And you asked some very, very good questions in the study. I'm looking at, at um, two right here. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world and bring clarity to God's children. Now, that's straight out of the scriptures, friends. And then you ask these two questions. Can you sense the Holy Spirit first? And then the second question is, do you obey what the Spirit is telling you to do? Wow, oh, wow. Can you sense the Holy Spirit? I am surprised. I remain surprised at the number of people today who would answer that question, can you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit? Can you, can you sense the Holy Spirit speaking and guiding and leading? I, I'm, I'm continually surprised at the number of people today who say no. Mm-hmm. Isn't that shocking to you? Yeah. And honestly, I think it comes from a lack of awareness. Um, we say things like, oh, I feel Holy Spirit. I feel Holy Spirit leading. Um, and obviously that's something that we experience in like a Pentecostal background. That's very much a, a normal conversation. But with people I meet, you say things like that and they're like, what does that mean? And so I'm like, like break it down to like the wind in your hair. You know, that feeling when you get goosebumps, when somebody says something, it's like in that moment, you walk into a room and you're hit with compassion when you didn't feel compassion before. Or there's been times where I've been walking in Walmart and I see someone and all of a sudden I feel like I need to cry. Those are things where I start to recognize, oh, this is Holy Spirit. Or it can be like an urgency, like don't go down that road or don't do this. There's an urgency in my spirit. And when you stop and recognize those things, we call those as like gut feelings or like, you know, oh, I just felt this way or I don't know why. If we would just break that down and let people know what you're feeling is actually the unction and the presence of Holy Spirit. When you start to train your brain that way, you'll recognize Holy Spirit all around you. Amen. Amen. You have in here Romans 8, 5. I'm just going to read that. And I think you use the ESV. I think that said that in the front matter. Yeah. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. So what we're to take away from that, friends, is that we're not to, to ignore the Holy Spirit, certainly, but we're to focus on the Holy Spirit and, and the things that the Holy Spirit brings to us. And, and in that, learn to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit and 
follow that leading, go where the spirit leads us to go. I think if, um, if, if more people, Anna, would take the time, break, break away from their, from their denominational traditions and get back to what the scripture actually says about the Holy Spirit, I think many, many, many thousands, if not 10,000s or hundreds of thousands of people would be set free. I don't mean to offend anyone. I'm, here's a disclaimer. They'd be set free from the bondage of their denominational traditions, and they would receive and return the fire of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Spirit, and the authority that is ours in the spirit, if they would just look at the scriptures and allow the scriptures to speak to them. What are your thoughts? I agree with you 100%. And it reminds me of how I think people say things like, oh, you know, if, if only Jesus were here, if only I was walking life with Jesus, I would know how to do things. And if you read the scriptures, Jesus says, it's better for me to go so that I can send the helper and the counselor to come and be your guide. And so when I think about that, we box Holy Spirit in because we don't know what to expect. We have been told things like this is how Holy Spirit operates. You know, it can get crazy. It can get wild. And those are things that that oftentimes are not even true. The thing that comes with Holy Spirit is peace. The things that comes with Holy Spirit is a wisdom on how to know how to do things. And all of a sudden you are being guided by this spirit. And if, like you said, if we broke down these denominational walls and we're not stuck in our ways, but just being like, I'm open to what the spirit has to offer. And for me, it was peace. It was counseling. It was guidance. It was love. It was comfort. And it was being able to love people that I had a hard time loving before. Those are all just a few things that come from doing life with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And there are, and, and we'll touch on them, friends, but there are many, many more blessings and giftings and things that we can receive from the Spirit that the, the Father wants us to have, first of all. And they're very, very central and integral to the the health and the functioning of the body. But we'll 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 touch on those as we as we work our way through through the book. So so the main character has has experienced, has been introduced to wind. Um, the Holy Spirit, and I like how you how you you um, keep saying you, you. It, it's it's you, reader. It's it's you're you're the one that I'm yes. talking to that I'm trying to engage here. Um, I picked up on that pretty quick. Uh, so so chapter two, the secret place. Um, the secret place turns out to be a place that when we're not familiar um, with walking with the Holy Spirit, or we haven't disciplined ourselves to recognize the Holy Spirit's voice, to sense the Holy Spirit's leading, but we're growing in that. The secret place is someplace where the Father wants us to go to learn and to grow, but it, it doesn't always look like a happy place or what people might expect it to be. Is that is that close to the point you're trying to get across in chapter two? Yeah, I wanted to really break it down because there's so much treasure, obviously, in the secret place, but 
growing up and being around people and having conversations before I wrote this book, I started realizing that us as Christians use the term secret place, but so many people don't know what that means. And so I wanted to put myself in the shoes of somebody who never heard of the secret place, if you will. And you get somewhere where you have these expectations because you're with Holy Spirit. You've been to beautiful places throughout my other books with Jesus and God. And so now you're in this place where you're like, where are we going next? And it turns out to be a cave, right? But as you journey along, you start to find all the treasures within. And I think oftentimes we set ourselves up for what we think life should be, what we think these things spiritually should be. And oftentimes we get disappointed. But if we let ourselves stay in that disappointment, we miss the treasure, we miss the beauty. And so I really wanted to communicate that, that you have to stay the course to find what is within even the secret place. Yes, amen. And I like the description of um, the main character walking through this cave, the secret place, and and bit by bit discovering um, the Father. For, for instance, uh, the Hebrew writing on the wall and pointing out, well, what what does this say? And, and it turns out that it says Yahweh. It, it, it is the name of our Father. And... Um, so one of the one of the things that was very clear, I thought, in in this chapter, is that um, going to the secret place is is surrendering yourself. Whether young Christians don't use this language, but I've been a believer for forty years. So, folks, don't don't hang me up for this, but because I see a lot of people attacking the use of words, uh, Anna. But submitting and surrendering, that, that is integral, I think, very, very central to this idea of being in the secret place. And what that means, listen, folks, surrendering and submitting to the will of the Father that he's revealing through the Spirit, um, that can be a tough thing. And, and he, he's trying to conform us, the Scripture says, into the image of the Son, right? And so some of the ways that that's going to happen is some of these rough edges are going to get are going to get kind of chiseled away and 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 knocked off. And, and, and of course, the enemy's involved in this. He's going to try and knock us off course. Right. And so you make it a point to to bring forward the truth that it is incumbent upon us to stay the course, to persevere in in season and, and out of season, it, it, it may not look like an idyllic situation, but we have to stay the course and persevere. So could you encourage those who have joined us today a little bit in that area? Because I, I can imagine that there are some that are struggling right now trying to persevere. Yeah, and I think perseverance is probably one of the hardest things we face as Christians because we want to walk it out. We want it to be easy. We think that, you know, I accepted Christ in my life. I, I pray. I take communion. I have a good community. I do all the things I'm supposed to do. Yet, why am I getting hit with these trials? And we can find our place living a lot of ups and downs and mountaintops and valleys. But what we find ourselves is that we're not always faithful in the valleys. And so, when I think about this chapter, when I think about what surrender means, we are nothing without surrender because 
I think about, I always go back to Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane before he was getting ready to go to the cross. And he, he said, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, but not your will, my, or not my will, your will be done. And I think about it in that moment, the son of God was saying to his father, I don't want to do this, but I'm trusting that your will is better than mine. And so who are we to think that our will and how we want to do things and how we think that life is supposed to be for us? How, who are we to think that God's plan isn't greater? And so I often put myself in that mindset when I think about surrender, when I'm in the middle of a trial and I just want it to be over, when I'm tired and weary and I just need to be encouraged. I put myself in that position and I'm like, you know what? I'm told to follow the footsteps of Jesus. And so in this moment, God, I might not understand. I might be weary and tired, but I trust you. And I'm not going to get to the end of this trial and realize that I've come on the other side. The last thing I want to do is I don't want to not be faithful in the in-between. And that is something that he's been just really ministering to my heart about is can you be faithful throughout the whole thing? Not get to the other side and be like, man, I really wish I would have been faithful and trusted him the last three months. Yes. Amen. You, you mentioned in the um, study guide for this chapter on the secret place, you mentioned uh, Elisha and how God fortified him, encouraged him, strengthened him um, by enabling him to see beyond the natural, to see what was actually taking place in the spiritual. Um, what do you think about people asking the Father for that, asking the Holy Spirit for that. Show me, because because I'm struggling right now. Would you would you give me a glimpse into into what you're doing? What what's going on that my eyes can't behold? Um, I think that would be an encouraging thing if people would would take that to heart and actually ask the Father for that. Yeah, I think about the scripture of, you know, ask and seek and you will find. And so we spend a lot of our lives just being like, well, this is just how it is. And I don't know how to do this. And so we almost get into a laxy daisy mindset of being like, well, I'll just trudge through this. But I believe the father wants us to ask and not just ask, but seek in the sense of we ask, we wait, we don't hear. And so we give up. But ask and seek until you hear. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the power of the secret place. When I'm walking through something that I need an answer to, and I'm not satisfied with just walking without one, I will literally take myself into that place of the secret place. I will envision my secret place with God. I will, I will visualize him and I'll have a conversation and be like, I need you to show me. Show me what I'm dealing with. Show me what I need to be praying against if there is anything I need to be praying against. But more than that, show me what the hope in this is and where you need me to be. Because I think a lot of times our trials are not always um, just like, you know, our own life choices. Some of those are, but some of them is like an attack against us or things that are happening that God wants us to use our authority and power and take care of. Yeah. But if we don't ask, we don't know what we're dealing with. We don't know what we need to bind up. We don't know what we need to loose. Because we're just waiting for God to come in and rescue us. And God's like, I need you to be the son and daughter I've called you to do. And I'm here to help. I'm here to fight your battles. I'm here to take care of you. But come to me and I'm going to give you answers and solution and wisdom. Amen. Yes. So it was interesting to me that in this secret place, um, and this dispels the notion, well, when we're in that secret place, then then nothing in this natural world can can influence us or affect us or harm us. And um, 
that's not actually true. And, and you introduce that, that fact in, in the chapter on the secret place, because the main character gets a surprise visitor <laughs> drops in to the secret place where she's at and kind of startles her. Um, but boy, you wrote that character perfectly because it was just sugary, sweet, dripping. But if you have eyes to see, you'll pick up on those pointers that are very important in revealing what's actually going on. So tell us a little bit about, and you can even say the name if you want to, of this of this character that um, the main character um, is introduced to. Yeah, so um, this was this was fun for me to write because the Lord told me pretty early on that what we would be dealing with and valued um, was pride, deception, and the battle of the times. And so when I had my character in the secret place, right, and they're walking it, you know, everything's peachy and good. You're finally discovering to trust when and in drops deception. Mm-hmm. And deception is the type of person that is can easily persuade you that seems kind and harmless and not somebody that's going to deceive you because that is literally deception. And very quickly, we learn throughout the journey that it's easy to fall in deception. It's easy to find yourself in the enemy's camp based off of one conversation. And so I see that oftentimes, you know, it's deception is it's like 90% truth and 10% lie. And it's like, we need to see and recognize the lie because even uh, Satan did that in the garden when he was deceiving Eve and Adam, it wasn't that he came in and said anything. He was, he took truth and then he twisted it and that's what he does. And so we have to know our scripture. We have to know who God is. We have to know the character of Jesus so that we can recognize deception the moment it comes in or have a good solid community that surrounds us that helps us do that as well. That's, that's exactly right. Well, we are already at the bottom of the hour on our conversation, Anna, and we are going to hear a, a word from a sponsor at this point. Friends, stay with us. We are going to continue this conversation um, talking about the battle of the times. Now, that should perk you up because we talk about, well, we do here in Lyme anyway, we talk about spiritual warfare all the time how you recognize it, what the strategies and the methodologies and the schemes of our enemy are and and the importance of us knowing that. So stay tuned. We'll be talking about that next with author Anna Pranger here on WCN-TV. Pushback against the Great Reset. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. The solutions are based in the fact that we're going to resist this new world order with everything that we have. Rise up, O church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail. See, when God's people are in control, there's peace. Every single aspect of Satan's power is defeated when we hold up the shield of faith. Decide what you're going to do in the face of evil. If one angel can take out 185,000 enemy soldiers, you think God can handle George Soros and Klaus Schwab? How can we be afraid? Order your seven DVD set today. The Great Pushback Against the Great Reset. Timelessvideotransfer.com That's timethisvideotransfer.com. Lord bless you. 
All right. Thank you, friends, for staying with us uh, through that sponsor. We appreciate that very much. I'm talking with Anna Pranger. The book is Valued, A Divine Awakening with the Holy Spirit. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Do not mean to be critical, but could the church use a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit today? My, 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 my. I'm going to go so far as to say that these these fortresses that have been constructed, erected to oppose us are going to come tumbling down. They won't be able to withstand the power of an ecclesia that's that's on fire with the fire of the Holy Spirit. So, Anna, we're talking about um, chapter three now, Battle of the Times. Um, this was a very good chapter and, and uh, uh, laid out the rest of the book very well, uh, explained to to readers um, it clearly what we're up against. And you've already introduced the, the character of deceit. But when we get to uh, uh, chapter three, Battle of the Times, uh, you introduce another character that um, I think touches on all of our lives. And I think that's one reason why so many scriptures tell us to humble ourselves before the Lord to keep ourselves humble before the Lord, to seek to be humble and meek. And because the flip side of that is, well, one of the most powerful characters in, in the story. So tell us about this chapter, Battle of the Times, and who that character is. Yeah, so this chapter, you obviously find yourself in the enemy's camp. Deception's there, and you're still kind of comforted by deception, but you pretty quickly notice a couple of things. There's a lot of suffering in the camp. There's a lot of poverty. Nothing around you is like you're used to. Um, We find that throughout all of uh, Christianity when we're looking around at the suffering that's happening. It's like, man, if you could just get a glimpse of who God is, like there's instant freedom that comes. And uh, pretty quickly in this chapter, you're introduced to pride. And it's the one character that doesn't seem to be suffering, that doesn't seem to think anything's wrong with the camp. Um, The arrogance, obviously, and and the haughtiness and the way that the rest of the camp surrenders and looks to him. And that was something I really wanted to point out, that oftentimes because of of pride and the arrogance of pride, we worship it. It's like a a sense of like, wow, you're in control. You know what you're talking about. Everything's going to be okay. And that was the depiction that I wanted to show was all this suffering, all this brokenness, you know, they continue to be defeated throughout this battle. And yet one conversation with this person named Pride and yeah, we can go, we can do this, we can accomplish this. But the character had been with Wynn for long enough to know there's something off here. And that is something that we have to recognize in our own lives because pride is the thing, the very thing that, that says, you know, that, that caused Satan to fall, right? But it's the very thing in our own lives that says, I know better than God. I, I think that I can do things my own way. I don't need to surrender. It's that kind of lifestyle we are seeing across America right now. The pride and the arrogance and the deceit that we're watching our nation literally see say, I don't need God. I can do this without him. I'm going to put up statues and I'm going to worship them instead. And we're literally seeing um, the Bible repeat itself. We're living in that time where we're watching pride and deception run rampant. And it's we're at this point right now where it's like, hey, Christians, what are we going to do? Are we going to stand up 
or are we just going to let this happen? Yes. Yeah. Well, the answer is in, in the final chapter, but uh, we may or may not get there, but it was a, it was a great chapter. In fact, I don't mind telling you. Um, in fact, let, let me say this, Nana, just in, by way of encouragement, my wife and I had to, well, I think I told you we were, we were in Fort Wayne today and um, I said, Hey, I want you to read these chapters in this book. So while we were driving, she was reading them to me. And we got tears in our eyes. I'm not embarrassed or ashamed to say that because you presented, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but we won't go there yet. You presented it in such a way that it reminded us of the goodness of God, that even in the midst of this wickedness that seems to be in control of everything, it is not in control of everything. It is not in control of God's people. It is not in control of those who have yielded to the Lord, who have the the anointing of, of God in the Holy Spirit on them, and they are boldly proclaiming to the lost, to come out of this deception, come out of this deceit. They're not, they're not just going along to get along. They're not just meeting whatever day and giving another flannel graph Jesus story. They're, they're actually telling people, telling the lost, you don't have to live a hopeless life. I can see it in your eyes. There is despair. You cannot mask that. I see it in your eyes. And, and, and you touched on that through these characters, both deceit and pride and, and many of the others that were in the bondage of those two. Um, there was just darkness. Their eyes were, were black. There was nothing there. There was no hope. There was no peace. There was no, there was no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They were, they were in bondage. So, um, Thank you for writing those chapters in the way that you did. They were they were very good and they were they were very very touching. So that brings us then to chapter four. The battle of the times was three. Chapter four is his faithfulness. Boy oh boy, do we need to hear that today? And and people need to be reminded of his faithfulness. So tell us a little bit about that chapter, and and I'm going to introduce a couple of questions from your study guide. Yeah, I was very excited about um, that chapter because, like you said, coming off of the Battle of the Times, I asked the Lord, I'm like, this gets better, right, as I'm writing this book out, right, because I'm writing it with him. And so um, I'm like, I know there's victory. Obviously, Jesus has already won, and we have victory, and we walk in that power and authority. and, And that's the light that comes into people's eyes when they realize who is theirs. And so when I was thinking about faithfulness and um, I'll just kind of give you a little a little visual into my world. When I write this book, I'm living it. So like I'm seeing it as I'm going. I'm really writing mm-hmm. this with with Holy Spirit. So when I walk into the throne room through the secret place, I see someone on God's throne and I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, and then the fire pot and the smoking torch, the Lord starts taking me through the Abrahamic covenant where, where he walked through that covenant, making a covenant 
with himself so that he couldn't break that because man, man fails every time, but God doesn't. And so that, that had to be a representation of the, the smoking fire pot and, and the torch to know that God had already sworn by himself and made that covenant. So when you look on, on the throne, there sits faithfulness. It's his faithfulness, his goodness. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. I've already won. I'm already, um, I've, I've got this whole thing covered. I am going to speak to you and get you through this. And then he very clearly looks at you and goes, do not dethrone my faithfulness. And oftentimes we dethrone his faithfulness by questioning him. God, do you really know what you're doing? God, have you seen how mess the world, how messy the world is? It looks like Sodom and Gomorrah right now. God, what are you doing? And I just so clearly felt in my spirit, God say, don't question my faithfulness. I am, I am in control and I have positioned the right people and I've positioned the right generation to rise up and say, you know, we're going to be the remnant and we're not going to be the ones who stand by, but it's his faithfulness that guides us. Amen. And that's a powerful point, Anna. We were born for such a time as this. It is no accident that you and I are living and witnessing these things because we are the generation that God has empowered to speak his truth, to remain faithful to him, to demonstrate his faithfulness to the lost. I, I want to read Deuteronomy 7, 9, because you have this in, in the study guide, and it's a wonderful reminder. Now, therefore, know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Oh, man. Think about that. God is faithful. In fact, I'm reminded that's that's what his his loving kindness means. It is his forever kindness. He is forever kind to us. What a wonderful, wonderful father we serve. So I think we're actually going to make it, Anne. I think we're going to get through the book. Amen. Yeah, because I didn't think we would. But anyway, uh, um, so that's uh, faithfulness. So chapter five is the battle of obedience. Now, this could have been, I congratulate you for keeping it, you know, short, keep people moving through the, 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 the story. But boy, this could have been a very long chapter because the battle for obedience, um, I don't know anybody that's immune from that battle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a battle that we are constantly facing. It's not a one-time battle. It is a daily battle. And that was the point I wanted to get across is, are you willing to hear his voice day in and day out? This is not something that I choose today and not do tomorrow. This is something that daily I'm like, Lord, I hear your voice and I'm willing to obey. I need to obey. And it becomes very clear that delayed disobedience or delayed obedience is still disobedience. And so waiting and being like, God, was that really you? God, should I really do that? It's like, just obey the first time and you will find the promises in that. That's right. Yeah. You list three things here to always keep in mind, folks. Always remember if you feel like you're in a battle, number one, you're not alone. God is not going to leave you alone. Jesus said, I'll never forsake you. You're not alone. God is for you. Boy, oh boy. Listen, friends. I can't tell you how many times I've reminded people of this over the years. God is for you. 
He is not against you. He is not He's not bringing about circumstances just to see how much pressure he can apply. That Listen, God is for you. And he says that those things that happen in life, he's going to use all of those things for our good. Now, only God could do that, Anna, because yeah. I imagine some people are thinking right now, well, I don't know how he's going to turn that for good in my life. Guess what? He will. He will. And then this, God will fight your battles for you. God will fight your battles for you. That reminds me of an old, old Rich Mullins song, I think. He was the artist. The battle belongs to the Lord. Yes. The battle does belong to the Lord, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. And it reminds me of Exodus 14, 14. Be still and I will fight for you. I think about that scripture all the time because we don't know how to be still. Already trust what he said. Already depend on his faithfulness. He is the, he's the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to be still and trust. Yes. Amen. You get to um, the next chapter dealing with authority. And and that is something that um, let me see if I can explain it uh, succinctly and concisely for people. Um, This may get me in trouble with some folks, but authority is available to you as a son or daughter of God. It doesn't mean that you have it to wield unless you've been trained, understand it, and trained how to handle it. Because authority brandished um, without the Spirit's leading is a dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. You want to add anything? or? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think we think about well, what's the point of authority? The point of authority is to constantly hear the voice of Jesus and walk in that authority. And the point that has to be made clear is it's his authority. We have been granted as a co-heir with Christ, we have been granted access to walk in that authority. But all day, every day, it makes it still his authority. And this is when the open door of pride can come in when you start to think, oh, this is my, this is my authority. I, you know, I blah, 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 blah. No, the actual reality is it's, it's him. It always goes back to the cross. It always goes back to the resurrection. It always goes back to the eyes of Jesus. That's where the authority comes from. And God wants us to walk in that, but he wants us to recognize why we get to walk in that. That's, that's right. And here's, Here's something you wrote in the study guide on this chapter. Um, Authority is not fought for in a battle. It's found in the secret place. So communing, communing with the Father, communing with the Son, communing with the Holy Spirit. And authority is a gift. It's a gift that's given to you by Jesus. It's his authority, as you've already said. He's the one who carries the authority. And through a relationship with him, that authority is revealed to us. Now, you, you, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you talk about this within the context of um, four keys mm-hmm. and how we receive those keys. And again, um, so many Christians believe that, well, once I profess faith in Christ and I get baptized, then, you know, everything's good. Everything, all the promises are mine, all the giftings, everything is mine. It's like, no, who's ever teaching you that is, is teaching you error. That's not the Christian life. So anyway, I don't know if you can 
you can get us back to the place where we were at dealing with authority. And uh, but but this is to me, it's a very important topic and one that the church needs teaching on. They they really need taught on what this means. Yeah, and I, I think that we we look at it as we go into one ditch or another. It's like we live no authority or authority that we think is ours, and we just need to bring it back to the middle. And so um, we pick up back in my book, uh, it, the chapter of authority is over. Literally, having seen the battle of the battle play out in the in the fountain, where you're standing next to Redeemer, you're standing next to Wind, and you begin to see the beast, and so which is represents Satan and demons, and you're watching um, the authority that Satan had trying to devour these people. But what you realize through this is that when Jesus died on that cross, all power was stripped from Satan. All keys were taken from him and he was completely defeated. Jesus went to hell and stripped Satan of all power. And when that happened, all of a sudden it gave the power and the authority to us as followers of him to be able to slay the giants and slay the demonic powers now because of who we serve and who we honor. And you watch this story play out in, in the fountain of life. That's right. Amen. True authority lies in the blood that was spilled and the resurrection of our King. Amen. Amen. So chapter seven is lighthouse of gentleness. Um, The Holy spirit is still leading us. We are the character, the main character as we read through this. The Holy Spirit is leading us, training us, teaching us, helping us to understand how we receive these giftings um, and how we are to use them for the glory of the King. Yes. Yes. And we find ourselves in the lighthouse of gentleness because this is where you will have an encounter with Holy Spirit. And this chapter is really important to me because we think about the character of gentleness and it's to be waited on. It's to be respected. It's to have, you know, your say la moment of pause and ponder and reflect and wait on the Lord. When this happens, you find yourself encountering the fire of the Holy Spirit, which is being baptized by the Holy Spirit. We are baptized in water. We're baptized in spirit. We're baptized with fire. When this happens, you realize that the fire doesn't burn you. It consumes you. This is what changes you. This is what begins. You begin to have the eyes of Christ when you begin to walk out in your workplace, when you begin to walk out in your life, you actually see people how Christ sees people. Now, all of a sudden you're feeling conviction for judgment or you're feeling conviction for sins because you've been baptized by this fire. I can't ever go back to who I was before I encountered and experienced the Holy Spirit. This is what happens in the lighthouse of gentleness. It's this beautiful picture of becoming one with him, which is the ultimate goal. You can't be like Christ by just reading the scripture. You have to become like Christ by having an encounter with him. It doesn't just become a book anymore. It becomes an experience of encountering that fire. That's right. Hallelujah. Chapter eight, battle for the nations. And I'll say, I'll say this. We are in a battle for the nations right now, today, in our own time, friends. There are folks all over the world that are crying out for relief, for escape. There is no better time in my life than today to be sharing Christ to everybody that you meet and in every way, manner, method, form that you can, because it is only Christ that frees people from this, of the deception, the the deceit that they're under today. 
So the battle for the nations talks about um, our mission, really, is to, to go to all the nations, Jesus said, right, in Matthew chapter 28. So tell us the high points about this chapter. I think the highest point of this chapter is obviously you find yourself back in, in the enemy's camp, but this time you're not afraid. And that's the key because yeah. you had, you've been baptized with fire. You have the key of authority. So now you're recognizing, okay, I know who I am and I know who I walk with. Yes. When you find yourself in the cave, leaving the enemy's camp, you're confronted with pride. And now this time, instead of being afraid of pride, you have a face off and all of this courage rises up. And that is how we should be walking is that we recognize that, okay, I'm in this battle. I recognize my position. I recognize who I walk with and I'm not afraid of what the enemy has to throw my way. And so we can now live in the world we're living in right now and be like, I see what's happening, but I see beyond. I'm like Elisha. Oh Lord, open my eyes. Show me the angel armies that already surround the dark armies that are on my side. And really the high key at the high point of this chapter too, was a call to intercessors because we are responsible for the nations, not just America. We're responsible as intercessors, and all of us are called to be intercessors, to ask the Lord, where is my prayer time supposed to be devoted to? You know, and, and we don't have to become religious about this. This is a conversation you have with Jesus on, on the daily when you're interceding. Who do you want me to intercede for today? Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's another country, another nation. But I really wanted to highlight this chapter because I really wanted to know that I see the intercessors and I have the utmost respect for those who have taken that call. And I believe as Christians, we all need to take that call and walk that out. Amen. Amen, Anna. And I, here's a perfect example of how can we um, battle for the nations. There's a, there's a movie that came out and to everybody's, well, everybody that doesn't know the Lord Jesus to their utter amazement, it is it is outperforming the gross sales um, movies that cost three hundred million dollars to produce. This movie, and I'm, of course, I'm talking about Sound of Freedom, has has outgrossed these these huge hundreds of millions of dollars. And you know why? It's because God is speaking through that and saying. Here is your intercession for the nations in your own time. Here is the issue, what we are facing as an ecclesia. Will we rise up and meet this challenge and not just not just an intercessory prayer, but are we going to get involved in the local communities where we live to do something about this, to make sure that our, our neighbor children do not become a statistic? Are we going to do that, ecclesia? Because isn't that, when you get right down to it, isn't that part and parcel of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're going to care for those of our own community, the places where we live? There is yeah. plenty of work to be done, Anna, in our world today. Amen. Amen. And it's a commandment, you know, love the least of these, okay. love the innocent and protect them. And so yes. it, it's, it is our job. Yes. Amen. Chapter nine is is sort of the spirit. So... <laughs> We're going to become weary sometimes in this battle. Um, and so we need to be reminded of certain things. Mark 13, 11 says, when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Our power comes through the Holy Spirit. 
Yes, yes. And and the sword of the spirit is the final armor. So as as you've read through the three books, you'll realize that you've been slowly getting your armor throughout this. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And this is one of my favorite chapters in the book because you end up on the top of the mountain with the Trinity. And on the top of the mountain, once you have battled so hard and you've walked for so long, here you are literally at the table set before you by the Trinity and you're given the last piece of armor, which is the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. And I made it this way because I wanted people to recognize the power of the word of God. So obviously we know in other countries, you know, this is something that people aren't even allowed to have. And so let's not take lightly the power that we carry in knowing the Trinity, in knowing who he is and what that word and that power that holds for us, that literally divides down to bone and marrow and, and it's a two-edged sword and it takes off the head of the enemy. Amen. Amen. Victory is ours. Victory Amen. is ours. That that final chapter that, again, friends, um, the book, there it is. Thank you, producer. Valued a divine appointment with the Holy Spirit. The final chapter is, is well, it's worth the price of the book, friends, because <laughs> it reminds us that all that is left to do is to go conquer what God has already conquered for us. It's, it's done. War is over. The battle remains, but a victory is, is assured. And um, the descriptions that you have in this chapter is just, just, fantastic Anna so any last comments because uh, believe it or not we're out of time already uh, I guess just my last comments are or go with the Lord and go in victory don't be discouraged and know that he's got your back that he's already given us everything we need we have the armor we have the voice of Holy Spirit guiding us we have the resurrection power of, of Jesus and we've got God the Father who loves you dearly and so walk it out with him and watch how he uses you to literally radically move the kingdom of God here on earth Amen. That is a great finale. The website is stirredupministries.com and is available to speak to your women's groups or at events that you might be be hosting, conferences, uh, team groups. Um, please check out the book. It's it's the third book in a, in a trilogy, uh, Loved, Chosen, and Valued. I think you will really appreciate Anna's heart and her talent in uh, in storytelling. It's very engaging. I enjoyed it tremendously, as did my wife, Kathy. So that's all we have for you here today, friends, on WCN-TV. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Friends, share this with your, uh, on your platforms, with your friends, and with your groups, and uh, get the word out about this book. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. God bless you. We'll see you next time here on WCN-TV. Mm-hmm.